Friendship with God would like to thank you for donating to the Loreto Need. With your help, a total of $10,378 were collected in donations, and 645 food baskets were delivered to the homes of the poor people of Loreto. Visit friendshipwithgod.org and take a look at the slideshow of some of the people that you supported during this difficult time. Thank you for being an instrument of God's blessing. Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. Friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051. 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org, or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now, here is our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. They despise the Lord Jesus Christ. Why? Because he received and he ate with sinners. Their murmur was, murmuring was expressing how they despised sinners. They didn't see themselves as sinners. How, how therefore they saw themselves as above sinners. They were proud. Their murmuring was expressing that if God received sinners, then they wanted nothing to do with God. And he knew that. And that's why it says that he spoke this parable unto them. Because it was their words that told where they stood. This man receiveth sinners and eateth with them. So it's in response to their view that the Lord Jesus Christ put this particular emphasis on just how important one sinner was. He wanted to show, which he did, God's pain over one lost sinner. So therefore he spoke of the pain in the heart of the shepherd over what he called, if he lose one of them. That's the pain in the heart of the shepherd, if he lose one of them. He spoke of the pain in the heart of the woman, and what he, and he expressed this pain by saying, if she lose one piece, the pain of losing one piece of money, the pain of losing one, one sheep. He spoke of the pain in the heart of the father over what he called when, what he called the pain when the father hurt. Father, give me the portion of goods that falleth to me. In other words, so here's the son, and this son says, I want nothing more to do with you, father. I've got places to go, people to meet, things to, to, to see. Let me loose. And he ran off into his world, lost, and this was a pain for the father. And so he showed by these three parables the God's pain over one lost sinner, and he showed that by the pain of the shepherd for the sheep, by the pain of the woman for the piece of money, by the pain of the father for the son that goes away from him. Then he shows in these parables God's efforts, great efforts, to recover just one lost sinner. And he speaks of the shepherd's efforts when he says these words, the shepherd to go after that which is lost 
until he find it. So it's not just efforts, but it's efforts with determination. Very important, those last words. Until he find it. And then he spoke of the woman's efforts, and, it's, and he described that as this woman light a candle, sweep the house, and seek diligently till she find it. Till she find it. Again, the same thing. She is not going to rest till she find it. He is not going to rest till he find the sheep. It's all about the efforts with the gold till he find it and not being satisfied till he find it. And then the father's efforts, which, which when it says that when the son was coming back and it says when he was yet a great way off, his father saw him. Why did his father see him when he was a great way off? Because the father every day was looking. Great efforts on the part of the father, looking and searching for the return of the son. So he sees him a great way off, and then it says that he had compassion that welled up within his, the father's heart. And so what does he do? He runs. The father runs. And this was a shame as far as the, the, the city goes, because the city would say, listen, you need to keep yourself dignified and, and, and let the son come and beg. But this father says, I don't care what the city thinks of me. I'm going to run. And he did, and he ran. And when he got there, he fell on his neck and he kissed him. And that, all of those, shows God's great efforts in bringing back one lost sheep, one lost sinner. And then God's joy. The third thing was God's joy over recovering one lost sinner. And he spoke of the shepherd's joy so that we can understand. And he called it rejoicing. And then the shepherd says, rejoice with me, for I found my sheep which was lost. And then he spoke of the woman's joy as her words, rejoice with me, for I have found the peace which I had lost. Very important, those last parts. Which was lost, the sheep which was lost, the peace which I had lost. So again, the joy, the pain of the loss, the effort to find it, and then the joy at having found it. And he speaks of the father's joy when he said, bring forth the best robe and bring hither the fatted calf and kill it and let us eat and be merry. So it was these three truths about God, through these revelations of the character of God, of the nature of God, number one, that God is a God who has great pain over one lost sinner. Number two, that God goes to a great effort to save one lost sinner and doesn't quit till he finds that lost sinner. Number three, God has great joy when one lost sinner is saved. God was greatly pained over three lost sinners named Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. God went to great efforts to save three lost sinners named Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. God had great joy when three lost sinners were saved named Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And therefore, to commemorate God's great pain, to commemorate God's great efforts that he would not quit until he found, to commemorate God's great joy in saving the lost Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, God decided that his eternal name should be forever the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. This name was so important for God that he told Moses, you please tell them, the Jewish people, that this is my name forever. Then he went on to say one more thing at the end of verse 15. He said, this is my memorial 
for all generations. See, my name forever is one thing. My memorial is something else. That's interesting that God took the, to, chose the word memorial to describe what he was doing here. When we think of a memorial, we can think of maybe a family photo album. You know, it's a family photo album, and, and, and we can picture a family sitting down, a very family affair with maybe some very close friends and sitting down and going through the memorial of the photo album, page by page, picture by picture, story by story, laughter by laughter, sadness by sadness, whatever it might be. But going through the photo album is a very special time that a person or a family, they don't do that with anybody. That to go through the photo album, a family photo album, is really reserved for family and close friends because those pictures are memorials and those pictures are meaningful because there's a story behind those pictures. And as they go through it picture by picture, it really is going through story by story. And the memorials, the remember, oh yeah, I remember, yeah, I remember, oh, and, you're, and that's the memorial of it all. Well, the memorials in God's picture album book are the histories of people like Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. They're the histories of lost people that God was pained for, of lost people that he went and sought until he found them, of lost people that were saved, all like Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And God wants that to be his memorials forever, as he said. And he wants to have memorials for every person on earth, as we already said. The Lord Jesus Christ came to save the world. He came, it's his will that everybody be saved. God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. God is who will have all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. So God is about all, but he works on the one by one, the individuals. And he wants to have these memorials for every person on earth of how God found them, of how God saved them, of how God was paying for them until they were saved, and then throughout all eternity, there'll be these times of sitting down, so to speak, with the picture book, with the God's picture album book of those memorials of how God was pained and he sought and found and they were saved. And if a person does not allow God to save them from their sins, if a person does not allow God to make them a child of God, if a person does not want to have anything to do with God, a person who is deceived and says the cares of this world are more important than God, a person who says the riches, I'm following riches, it's more important than God, if a person does that, then a person will not have any pages in God's picture book of memorial. And that person would not enjoy going through God's picture book of memorials of how God saved other people because there's no picture of him or her in that book. And that person would be absolutely out of place in heaven because that person would be a stranger in heaven because he refused to let God create a memorial picture of him in his God's picture book. He refused to let God save him from his sins. And if that person tried to get into heaven without being a part of the family of God, God would say those awful words that the Lord Jesus Christ said in Matthew 7, 23. Then will I profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. That's because going through the picture album memorials is really reserved for those who are the family of God. It's really reserved for those who have a picture 
in themselves in the picture album of those who God has allowed to make a memorial out of them, and God can say, I am the God of John, just as he said, I am the God of Abraham. When God said in verse 15, this is my memorial unto all generations, it brings to our mind how memorials, and they really are focused on a certain period of time. Maybe it was a time of the family vacation, maybe it was the history, some particular history in the life of the family, and that's what God's memorials are too. They're really focused on a particular certain period of time. Now, compared to the time of all eternity, the history of earth or the history of man on the earth is infinitesimally small. But the history of man on the earth is very important. Why? Because on earth, man sinned, became lost, and became bound for hell, an eternity in hell. That was on earth. To earth, God came to save man from hell and to give him an eternal destiny, a destiny of an eternity in heaven. And from earth, saved man goes to heaven. And from earth, lost man goes to hell. So even though it's a very brief time, very infinitesimally small in the light of eternity, brief time, yet it's so very, very vital and important because it's this history of man on earth. What Abraham told one man called a rich man who is described as lifting up his eyes in hell, the rich man lifted up his eyes in hell, it shows the importance of man's history on earth. And that's given to us in Luke chapter 16, verse 23, where it says, and in hell he lift up his eyes, this is the rich man, being in torments, and seeth Abraham afar off, and Lazarus in his bosom. And he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me, and send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am tormented in this flame. But Abraham said, Son, remember that thou in thy lifetime receivest thy good things, and likewise Lazarus evil things, but now he is comforted and thou art tormented. And beside all this, between us and you, there is a great gulf fixed, so that they which would pass from hence to you cannot, neither can they pass to us that would come from thence. So what we have, this is a very, very, unique passage in scripture, because in scripture we have very, very few descriptions of hell. And, and this is one that gives us uh, some insight. And what we can learn from this uh, account here, what we can learn from this description, is that we see a man in hell who's called a rich man. We see this man in hell in a state of torments because of the pain from a flame of fire. We see this man desiring water for his tongue to be cooled, and we're told that those in hell are described as they which would pass, if they could, that would pass to Abraham, but they cannot because of what's called a great gulf, it's a great separation. We're told that those who are with Abraham 
are described as those which would pass also to hell to help them, but they cannot also because of this great gulf, this great separation. But what we find significant about hell is the statement that Abraham made to the man in hell when he said, remember that thou in thy lifetime. This statement, remember that thou in thy lifetime, shows us that the worst pain in hell, the worst flame in hell, is the flame of memory. Even though the time of a person's lifetime on earth is so infinitesimally short compared to eternity, people in, people in eternity have all eternity, their memory of what happened during this lifetime. Forgetfulness may be a condition associated with old age, but evidently, after death, there is a perfect restoration of memory for all eternity. And this shows us that it is so important for a person to respond in their lifetime to God's invitation to be saved, God's invitation to become a child of God, God's invitation to be reconciled with God, God's invitation to have their sins paid for by the Lord Jesus Christ. And God wants for his name to be the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, to be a memorial of how God invited Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob to become a child of God the memorial of how Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob responded to God's invitation by the Lord Jesus Christ to become a child of God. That's why God described his name as the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And that's why he said, this is my memorial unto all generations. Now, here in verse 16, we see how God carefully directed Moses for what to do. Go and gather the elders of Israel together and say unto them, the Lord God of your fathers, the God of Abraham and of Isaac and of Jacob, appeared unto me, saying, I have surely visited you and seen that which is done to you in Egypt. See, God told Moses who he was to speak to and what he was to say. This reminds us of the, how the gospel is God's invitation. It's the gospel of God as it's said so many times in, Second in the book of Thessalonians. It reminds us this is God's gospel. It reminds us that the message is God's message. And God is specific to who should be told and what they should be told. Who should be told God's message of salvation? Who should be told God's gospel? Mark 16, 15. And he said to them, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Who should be told? Everyone should be told God's gospel. What should be told? Paul put it so well in 1 Corinthians 15, 3, where he says, for I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I received, how that Christ died for our sins, according to the scriptures, and that he was buried and that he rose again the third day. According to the scriptures, that phrase, according to the scriptures, shows how important it is for us to base everything we say on the B-I-B-L-E, on the Bible. And when we read in verse 16 how God told Moses, go gather the, the elders of the Israel together, we can see God saying to us, go and speak to your friends, to your relatives, to your contacts. And when we read in verse 16 how God said to Moses, say unto them, 
we could see God saying to us, say the gospel message to them. Say what Paul said. Say Christ died for your sins. Say Christ died for, for your sins, and he was buried, and he rose again. And all of this was according to the Bible, what the Bible says. And Moses was then to tell them that he had met with God. That was Moses' message, was that he would, it was from God. Moses was to emphasize, this message is not from myself. This message is coming from God. I met with God. That was the force of Moses' message. And when we speak to the lost about the Lord Jesus Christ, we are speaking about a person, the Lord Jesus Christ, who we meet with every morning when we have our time of devotion with God, when we open our Bible and we open our heart at the same time and listen to God speak to us, when we lift up our hearts during that time and pray to God, meaningful, intentional prayers, that's a time when we meet with God. And it's from that meeting every day that we go out and we speak to God, we speak to the lost about God who we know, who we met with, who we have a vibrant relationship with just as Moses did. When we speak to the lost about the Lord Jesus Christ, it's not just a person of history, but he lives and we meet with him every day. And then in verse 16, Moses was told to tell the Jewish people that God surely visited them. You know, God told Moses that he had visited the Jewish people, not that he would visit the Jewish people, but that he had already visited the Jewish people, and they weren't aware. They didn't know. Moses had to come and tell them that he had visited them, and that's amazing. I mean, when you think about that, that's really amazing, and here is a people they were visited by God and they weren't aware of it. And so Moses had to tell them. It's amazing that a person could be visited by God and not aware of it. There's a name of the Lord Jesus Christ which really brings out the fact that he represents God's visitation with man. And that name is in Isaiah 7:14, where it says, Behold, a virgin shall conceive. And sorry, behold, the Lord himself shall give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. Emmanuel, what does that mean? God with us, our togetherness with God, with God, our God, with our God, Emmanuel. That's what the Lord Jesus Christ represents. He represents God visiting man. That's what he's called in Luke 178. It's where it says about him, through the tender mercy of our God, whereby the day spring from on high hath visited us. He's called the day spring from on high. That's his name. He is the day spring from on high, and he's the day spring that visited us. You know, the day spring is the rising of the light in the day. It's the dawn. It's the light that comes and pierces the darkness in the sky that comes at dawn and transforms the light of the, the night, the darkness of night into the light of day. That's the day spring. And the Lord Jesus Christ is the day spring on high that visited us. He's the light of God. He was, he's the one referred to in Isaiah 60, verses one through three. Arise, shine, for thy light is come, and the glory of the Lord is risen upon thee. For behold, darkness shall cover the earth, and gross darkness the people, but the Lord shall arise upon thee, 
and his glory shall be seen upon thee, and the Gentiles shall come to thy light, and kings to the brightness of thy rising. That's him. When he said, I am the light of the world, that's what he was referring to. This place here where he said, he is the great light that comes thy light. He is the light of the world. He is the light of Israel. He is the light of the Jewish people. And he says, he's, he, the light is, is come. The glory of the Lord is risen upon thee. And the Gentiles came to the light. Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened to and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. Friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org and sign up for his daily devotional. Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestorationministries.org. You can write to Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711330, P.O. Box 711-330, Santee, California. Santee, California, 92071. Or email Tom Cantor at tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Tom Cantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Or for more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. Friendship with God would like to thank you for donating to the Loreto Need. With your help, a total of $10,378 were collected in donations and 645 food baskets were delivered to the homes of the poor people of Loreto. Visit friendshipwithgod.org and take a look at the slideshow of some of the people that you supported during this difficult time. Thank you for being an instrument of God's blessing.